0: Welcome to the Inglorious Pastors podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and saying a special goodbye to Billy Bush's career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Matt Polly, hey. Brad Polly, hey. and together we are the Inglorious Pastors. Bye, bye, Billy. Bye, Billy. Bye, bye, and bye. yet. And
1: yet. We still have a Republican <laughs> a Republican nominee for president. Yeah. I, like, I like how Billy Bush is going to get fired, yet we still might elect the other guy as yeah. president. Yeah. Billy Bush that is, seems,
0: is seems logical. gone, but uh, everyone else, for that matter, is just uh, it still has their job, apparently. Who knew? Um, yeah. So, Brad, how you feeling? <laughs> Never gets old.
1: Does it not? Does it not? Okay. Is that where we're landing yeah. on that? Okay. I feel good. All I right. had, a, had a really nice day off today. Nice. Yeah.
0: Matt had a half day Had a halfsies You were home by like noon Army had half day <laughs> Yeah uh, And I worked nine hours So It was been, not bad though I actually worked like an hour But I got paid for nine That's yeah, how that works That's how our job worked Yeah you Pretty spent, great
1: You spent eight hours driving Where'd you drive to?
0: Nothing I mean It was I guess Two hours I drove okay. Or I was working okay. Two hours That makes more sense Yeah, yeah. Six hours in the car yeah. Listened to Pete Holmes It was good Yeah um I'm, I'm happy for you Michael
1: Yeah What are you guys drinking? <laughs> Matt Uh I'm two fisting tonight Because that's I have two, a, That's a shocker I'm like hey, triple fisting We're <laughs> just gonna let that go <laughs> the, uh, Don't look
0: the, that up on uh, Urban Dictionary
1: <laughs> No Um I found a beer today At our local Uh, brewer, uh Beer store Liquor store That's what they're <laughs> called Gosh <laughs> It's not, not been a lot of sleep In the little poly household So it's, I'm A little uh A little off Uh from Summit Brewing Company in Saint Paul, Minnesota, uh, it's the Saga IPA, or it Sega. It's probably it's Saga. Little, well, it's got a little thing over <laughs> there, so I'm a little confused. Is and Sonic the Hedgehog on anyway, there? Then can, it's um, not Sega. It's, it's an IPA. Crap.
0: It's really good. It's just a, it's just a good IPA. I wonder if Sonic the Hedgehog would make good beer.
1: <sighs> like if he was in the beer. Like, is that what you mean by? I never good even beer?
0: thought about that. Like, are there a lot of like beers that have like meat in them? Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't even know any, what to say. I
1: don't know like, how to like, answer that. Like um, I I mostly no. <laughs> Sometimes he says things are just so stupid. I but can't there's
0: gotta write. be like a um like a venison beer somewhere. There are I uh,
1: just heard this week somebody, some brewery did like an oyster beer. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, there's one brewery that did a beer with uh belly button lint. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Nope, and there's nope. uh, one that did uh, horse semen. Yeah. I hate yeah. That, the smell of
0: belly buttons. How many belly buttons do you sniff? Or semen? No, wait.
1: No, wait. <laughs> I, no, no, I no, no, just no, no. now heard no. horse yes, no. semen. But let's not gloss over the fact you just said you s- insinuated that you sniff belly buttons.
0: Well, okay. Like so, number one, I irritable. have I have a belly button. Right. You sniffed it? Well, I mean, I clean it, and I want to make sure it's clean and fresh. So you basically stick your finger, run it around in there, and then you no, your nose Q-tip. and sniff it? No, I use a Q-tip. You sniff don't, a Q-tip, then. Um,
1: this is the grossest conversation worry we've it. ever had on.
0: Um. Also, I have two children who I have to keep clean, and um, a wife who um, you know I sometimes hang out with in an intimate way. So I, I don't know what to say. I'm I don't. Honest know. Honest to God, I you've don't know what never to do smelled with somebody else's belly button? No. no. I mean, not just because you're sniffing a belly button, just because you're in the general vicinity. Can we stop? Um, it's so uncomfortable I'm, right
1: yeah, now. Yeah, this now let's just oh. edit this the, out. The worst
0: belly button smell is whenever um, the baby's belly button thing falls off. That's gross. That's terrible. Why are
1: you smelling that? It, you are it's, a it's, disgusting. It's, animal. I am. I'm very <laughs> sensitive. N- nose. What the fuck is going <laughs> on right now? Like. It's. is totally off the rails. No, we, but like, seriously, how, like I feel really bad that I even asked that question. Like it I feel, is. I'm it is your fault. Responsible. It is totally. I had no idea it was going to go that direction. Like you never smelled a belly button. No. Oh man. <laughs> <don't>, can can <laughs> we start over? Wait, like, wait, wait,
0: I'll give you a dollar if you smell yours. No.
1: <laughs> this is disgusting. Two dollars. What do you like? Bend my head down and sniff my belly button. No,
0: stick your finger in it and then. <laughs> And then take a big whiff. So, $2. What,
2: what beer is Brad drinking? Brad, $2. I, uh,
1: well, to finish my drinking, I have uh, <laughs> Cardinal Spirits has a new uh, uh, gin called uh, Botanical Gin. It's called Terra. Uh, it's very, very good. So, I'm drinking that as well because it's it is really good. Yeah. yeah. Local. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I what? I'm so I feel like off. you're both like no. just anticipating me saying something I'm else on so, the belly. Buttoning. I am
0: so thrown off After right now. After thirty some episodes,
1: <coughs> of course we're waiting on you to say something. Uh, you've never not said something. <laughs> I'm. It's.
0: I just. I don't even know. I, don't I even know who you guys I are. I am anymore. having
1: uh, that kind of goes both ways.
0: Um, you never knew. The <laughs> you
1: never took the time to get to know me. Well, it's been good. God. I'm probably done after this one uh, <laughs> what all are right. you The uh, Rogue From Oregon Hazelnut Brown Nectar So good It's one of my favorite beers It's a top 10 for me
0: What kind I've, of nectar I wonder <laughs> I just don't
1: even know what to say what? He asked
0: the dumbest
1: damn question What kind of nectar There's... It's just called Hazelnut Brown Nectar It doesn't mean it has nectar in it Michael
0: It should oh, it's fa- False advertising God. Oh my gosh, you guys are the worst. Um, <laughs> no, wait, wait, no, we're,
1: we're the worst. worst. Yeah, you should read the internet. They Got say it.
0: you're the worst. Um, I'm drinking uh um the <laughs> Can we put a Twitter poll on the glorious pastors and see where <laughs> it lands after this episode? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. Do that. Yeah. Who's the worst? Um so I'm drinking what's called the uh the Pastard's um Pastured drunk month. <laughs> Uh, The uh, Pastards Drunk Monkey Punch. Yeah. (laughs) It's Cardinal Spirits. It's
1: gin and San Pellegrino, Michael.
0: And uh, uh, the standard dry gin. And then the San Pellegrino today is uh, the blood orange. Two ounces of gin. Been on here multiple times. I just kind of fingered it. Just kind of, you know, the old (laughs) finger and a half of it. Yeah. Yeah. I knew what you meant. Yeah. So that's what I'm drinking. All right, good. Okay. Well, what's in the newsfeed? <laughs> Let's go into the. <laughs> we news gotta feed. get out of this segment as quick as possible. <laughs> it's very good for those who are asking. It is. You should try it. It's been on
1: here numerous All times. Right. So.
0: Who wants to go to the, into the newsfeed? Matt, go go for it.
1: Save uh, us for the love of Christ. I have a. I have just a real quick. We're just going to post it. It's not really a story, but did you see the video? Of the dude shirtless in the hurricane. Yes. With the American flat. No. Have you not seen it? So, no. So oh, Michael. So funny. Okay. So funny. It's it's the slayer, and so it's fantastic. Hold on, let me get the volume turned up here so you can. All right. There we go. It's really right. short, but it's awesome. <laughs> 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 it's it's just <laughs> It's it's literally—it's got the perfect like metal (laughs) pose going. It's literally just the guy with an American flag out (laughs) behind him. So funny during the hurricane, and it's like the winds. I mean, the wind's blowing pretty good. Yeah, his his hair's flying back. I mean, it's total metal, man. It's fantastic. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. So my actual story—I just found this, and it's—I wonder
0: what his belly button smells like. (laughs) It's probably clean because of the hurricane. I, it's the cleansing effects
1: oh of the hurricane. My God. I want off this planet. I, I just too. want off this planet. I'm done. <laughs> I am freaking done. Oh, you are the grossest. Um, so there is a video. How
0: do you know it's grit? You've never smelled one.
1: <laughs> I'm just glad at least he's entertaining himself. He's not entertaining anyone else. You know what, you know what continues to baffle me? is that inevitably we get these reviews, these five-star reviews. <laughs> oh, we love Michael. He's the best. He's, really? Are, have you guys not fucking listened to this podcast ever? I mean... Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: it's just... You, and you, all he is is a baseball bat sitting on a railroad track. Like, that's all he is. Just waiting for a fucking train to come through. I had to so make so I can derail it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so the story is from Australia because everything weird comes out of Australia. <laughs> no offense to our Australian listeners, uh, an Australian man who strongly suspected the presence of snakes in his home said it was confirmed when he found two pythons fighting in his kitchen. What? Dude. I'm not watching the video. The video's on here. I'm not watching it because I can't do snakes. Uh, his name's Murray. <laughs> because, of <laughs> because of course it is. Um, <laughs> present?
0: <laughs> present. <laughs> present? Showing
1: a, he posted the video showing two male carpet pythons striking and wrestling one another in a battle apparently tied to the current mating season, and you know the only way to s- take care of this problem is to burn the fucking house <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> yep. which is exactly um, what I want to do. These are doing. these are not yep. small pythons. I mean, these are good fifteen twenty feet long. I mean, they're huge. Um. Yeah, I, it's it's <laughs> horrifying and awful. I, I know. I, I don't know what you even do about that. Like he said, I've been aware of one of these snakes living in the ceiling above my bedroom during the warmer season. What? Which is no concern to me as these pythons are harmless and helpful for pest control and to help keep away the deadly snakes that we've seen on the property. What is, no. what, nope. so, so, no, what no. is wrong with Australian people? <laughs> they're all like that. Like anybody you stay from Australia, they're walking around. They're just like, it's cool. Everything here wants to kill me, but it's cool. Well, like it, it's like choosing the lesser of two evils. Like you have a snake that can literally suffocate you to death, or a snake that will kill you with poison. Like I'd rather have a like, no, these, these in are fine. The attic. They keep away the deadly snakes. Oh, so it's just <laughs> living above your head in your bedroom.
0: There's no freaking way. Like you falling asleep, hearing that thing Slither crawling right around. Up there. Yeah, no. Have you saying, ever, no. ever found any animals in your house before? No. Uh, uh,
1: actually, a few years ago, in one of the <laughs> house I was living in, we had a snake in our garage. And I went and got my neighbor. I don't touch him. Nope. I had this redneck neighbor. Yeah. He was the Yeap. nicest guy ever. And I went over and I was like, hey, uh, what are, you, are you afraid of snakes? And he's like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come get one out of my garage? All right. Be over in a minute. He comes over in jeans and no shirt, no That's shoes, <laughs> barefoot, <laughs> walks into my garage and he grabs mm-hmm. it. It's striking at him.
0: <laughs> of course it it To bite
1: him. He grabs it by the tail and he's sitting there going, Oh, you son of a bitch. And he's like, <laughs> So he finally grabs it by the head and it <laughs> coils around his arm and he takes oh. it and lets it go in the woods. Mm. I would have preferred that he, like, ripped the head off and, like, lit it on fire. Burned but, it. uh, yeah. pour gasoline straight down the body. And then, you know, we had one house we lived in. Uh, we were surrounded by cornfields. And in oh, yeah? harvest time, it was just mouse hell. Yeah. But other than that, nothing super. We've
0: weird. had a couple mice. Um, at, not at our house in the country, but our house uh, in town. <laughs> we we captured it and set it free in a graveyard, because that's that's what you do. <laughs> and we've had a couple of, uh, just in my in my life, I've had a couple of cats, straight cats in, in the crawl space. Cats in the crawl, if you know what I mean.
1: I don't know what you mean. It's I kind mean, of like cats can't in the even cradle.
0: Imagine, can't even imagine what you mean by that. I don't, I, it doesn't mean anything. It just means we had cats in our crawl space. Brad, what do you got?
1: Uh, all right, hold on a minute. Uh, where'd it go?
0: I just have that "Like a Hurricane" song stuck in my head now.
1: Okay, so uh, man captures mysterious footage of a ghost ship in Lake Superior. I almost used no. this, yeah, It's and weird. no one can explain it. It's freaking weird. Um, I won't show the video because it's a podcast and nobody can see it. But uh, it'll be, we'll have the link up. Um, it's weird. I mean, yeah, yeah. Is it like a mist? No, like it looks like way off in the distance and it looks like an old ship, like an old with masts. And so somebody said, uh, I guess somebody com- uh, commented on it. Uh, you heard of the Ockburn? It's a ship that sank in the 1800s and has been spotted several times since.
0: What? Um, blackbeards out there? And then
1: other people are claiming it's a mirage, but it's a pretty freaking weird a, mirage mm-hmm. if it's a mirage. I don't know what to think about this kind of stuff. Are Mirage's
0: real? I mean, I, how can you video? I thought they were just in your imagination. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I thought, like, no, I, I don't I know so. how you can, like, record a Mirage. I, I don't know, but it's, for our listeners, watch the video when we post
1: It's freaking nuts. Uh, and then I've got one other short one here. Uh, bizarre new beauty trend sees people wiping urine on their faces. Mm. Nope, not doing it. But you'll he'll smell belly buttons. <laughs> I was but he, will wipe, say. he will wipe your really. That's I, I'm the not really. like
0: okay about the belly button. No, we're gonna, I don't care about. If the, we're be- gonna talk no, about, I'm over the belly. I button. I haven't no. intentionally so, smelled other people. I've I'm only talking, intentionally smelled my belly button. It's
1: still gross. I'm talking about piss faces. Let's move <laughs> okay. on from belly, belly buttons. Uh, so apparently, What's the people believe that this makes you. It gives you healthier looking skin. To nope. dab small amounts of your own urine on your face with cotton wool or a piece of cloth. Nope. It's called tra- treatment known as urotherapy, And you, you, have to, you have to use your own pee. So you don't go to like a pee store and okay. uh, buy this. You have to use your own. As and, one would. Hold on. And people claim that the, the pee, the morning pee is the best because it's been sitting in your system the <laughs> longest. Oh, my gosh. So it has more uric acid, uh, which is what is supposedly works. D- dermatologists are a little skeptical. To yeah, say you the say that. Uh, yeah. Um, so apparently, this was started, it's attributed to Indian culture, but also the Greeks and Egyptians and Romans apparently did this too. Um, so it's supposedly the uric acid exfoliates the skin. Um, and derm- dermatologists aren't convinced. Uh one said that there's other natural project products such as tea, apple cider vinegar, and tea tree oil are better alternatives. Or yeah. literally anything. He actually says urine is primarily water and there's very little urea in it. It contains less than five percent and actual skincare products with urea contain ten percent or more. And it's gross. And it's disgusting. <laughs> Apparently, the Bear Grills come up with this, like, <laughs> splash some of <some> his <laughs> own pee in his face. That's his next product. Like, Bear Grills face wash. <laughs> buy,
0: buy, buy my Gerber knife and my own urine. You can put it on your face. I've watched him drink his own piss on TV. That's pretty mm. gross. Mm, um, haven't we all? But, uh,
1: I mean, who hasn't wanted to do that from time to time? Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, don't do that. <laughs> what? I was kidding. Okay. Um so yeah, that's uh any listeners. If you've done this, let us know. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> not yeah. that I'm going to do it, but I'm intrigued. Or don't. Even if
0: it just was accidental, like <laughs> Liz, let us know. We're interested.
1: <laughs> Accidentally peed on my face the next day, man. I looked like ten years younger. <laughs> it was amazing.
0: I found the fountain of youth. <laughs> <laughs> it was r- in me all along. R- <laughs> rim
1: shot. Oh. I'll give him that one. That's pretty good. Oh there boy.
0: All right, so uh, I've got a couple. This one's just just the title alone is worth it. Norway's Prime Minister caught playing Pokemon Go in Parliament. <laughs> yeah, they have a video of her at, at her little cubicle, and she's totally playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> um, by the way, Pokemon Go, it's it's over. Like if you're still playing Pokemon Go,
1: my ni- my ten year old still. Likes I told you, mm, well, I, I know. You yeah, I know. Well, be... This I was gonna say. He says that like he wasn't playing. No, it. this is here to stay. It lasted literally <laughs> as long as I said it would. Well,
0: there are gonna be people who are, are gonna be playing it forever just right. because it's but freaking Pokemon Go. My ten year old
1: likes it still. Well, yeah. It, yeah. He's ten. He's
0: ten. Yeah. Like the n- nationwide trend, it's gonna until you, there's gonna be a Harry Potter version. That's gonna be sweet. And I'll play that one
1: for a week. yeah Yeah,
0: but still who cares (laughs) i mean if it gets me it's a free app oh my gosh anyway pokemon go parliament
1: i like how he acts like weird like the ones that are off (laughs) this this. is my new
0: stance it works i I like this you guys are the dicks well it's
1: working. (laughs) nobody's disputing that (laughs) i think that's been well established on this podcast over 30 some episodes
0: okay so the uh next one i've got uh do you guys you guys like the packers
1: I, I'm kind of in, I'm I'm indifferent. I'm them. fine with them.
0: Do you know the man named Jared Cook?
1: Uh, yeah, heard the name.
0: So uh, Jared Cook uh, recently visited a Buffalo Wild Wings establishment. Oh, I saw this. this is
1: amazing. And
0: uh, <laughs> he tweeted a photo on Friday um, of one of his wings that he got. Oh, uh, I did see it. That. Turns out it wasn't a wing. <laughs> they missed a little bit. It was <laughs> the head of a chicken. Beak in um, every a severed head. Uh, uh, um. The, everything. It's the whole thing. I'm going to show you the picture. Um, also, in case it's you wonder, Jared gross. Cook likes lemon pepper wings, uh, extra wet, extra wet. So, here's the here's the picture. <laughs> it's got a beak. That's and a everything. chicken head. Yeah, <laughs> yep, pretty much. So, um, does this look like son of a bitch? <laughs> usually, I'd be like, this isn't real. <laughs> no, it's real. Yeah. But it's completely real. It this is. dude has no reason to be frying up chicken heads and posting them on the internet. He means he's I assume a millionaire. Um and you can't just,
1: I mean you can't just go out and grab a chicken head. I mean
0: it kinda of like the neck of it kind of looks like a a if you if you ignore the beak. <laughs> <laughs> it kind you of looks the like a chicken coxcomb on it. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely a yes. <laughs> It looks, it look, kind of looks like a wing. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings did respond on, <laughs> okay. on Twitter. If you
1: ignore literally everything about this thing, it looks like a chicken <laughs> wing. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings said, uh, This is something we take very seriously and we're <laughs> looking into it. We're getting in touch with you right now to learn more. Well, you see, Buffalo what? Wild Wings. To learn more. What, what happened? It's a freaking head. One of your fucking jokers. And, <laughs> in, in like, here's the thing those little wings. They they they're bigger than regular size. Like those are like baby chickens, right? Like buffalo wings. They're like little tiny chickens.
1: No, they're actual like the leg.
0: Uh, the or... but they're small like Cornish hens, right? <laughs> or some no sort idea. of small chicken. This <laughs> is like a full size chicken head in here.
1: <laughs> I didn't know he knew the word the phrase Cornish. <laughs>
0: I don't know what kind of chicken it comes from, but this is no full size chicken, I assume. It
1: definitely comes from Cornish Game. This is the man who owns chickens.
0: <laughs> I know. That's why I'm saying chickens. this chicken head is, is normal size. Buffalo wings come from small chickens, not normal-sized chickens. Uh, Here's the thing, guys. Somebody's you- up to this. What is big chicken up to? <laughs> Big chicken's head. No, I'm assuming
1: again. you're big chicken because I'm wondering what the hell you're up to. That is a
0: very large chicken head. It's a normal like. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I
1: know what you're saying. Can
0: we move on? Um, we can. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's newsfeed. <laughs> you guys got anything else for no, me? No, no, nope, I think we're going to the newsfeed. No. Um, have you ever found anything weird in your food before?
1: Yes. Uh, my mom found a roach in a salad once. Gross. I've had I was a worm. Growing up, uh, my late grandfather <laughs> once found a petrified frog in a bag of peanuts. I remember that.
0: Oh. Yeah. A bag of like peanuts
1: still in the shell. In the shell. Like in the shell. Mm. He used to eat these all the time. And we were at their house one night, and he goes, uh, <laughs> what is this? And it was a petrified frog yeah. in the bag of peanuts. So they wrote to the company, and the company sent them a freaking box Huge box of peanuts. Did there were there any? No, um, there weren't any more frogs in them. Do you remember? Uh, I was drinking High C cooler. One of the boxes. Oh, Hi-C. yes. And so I start like I'm trying to drink it, and like I get a little bit out, and then it kind of gets like stuck. Like what? I couldn't get any yeah, juice out. Wait. And so I, I was like, "Man, this. that's weird." And so you know, I told mom and dad we opened the box up, and there was a worm. Oh. In the High C, and I had sucked half of it into the straw. Basically tore it in half by sucking it into the straw Did you get any of it? No I didn't. <laughs> Dang it Thank goodness <laughs> Protein o- Other than what was floating around inside the juice that I actually got out of it yeah. Did you
0: ever drink that drink again? Yeah,
1: probably <laughs> I, think they, I think we wrote to that them surprises I think they me. sent us stuff too, I didn't they? I don't remember I think they sent us some free stuff I was pretty little, I remember that Yeah, I do I recall that very vividly Oh, man Yeah
0: I just had a worm in my salad <laughs> Nothing yeah. super great yeah, that's all like I what of. Like
1: a dead coyote in your salad or like something bigger? A worm. A worm. I know. But you said nothing great. I mean, what are you looking for?
0: Uh, I mean, like a petrified frog would be fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for dropping the F-bomb, but it would be. <laughs> like...
1: I am sure it was awesome. Isn't there yeah. a family guy episode where somebody says there's a bear in my soup and there's a fucking bear laying on the table with his paw in the soup or something <laughs> like that? I feel like there's a family guy thing that. There like is. that. Uh,
0: I hope so. <laughs> All right. So now we're gonna go into Fat Pastors. Yay. Um, super pumped. Let me cue up the music because I'm totally professional and ready. So here we go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, never gets old. All right, so who's yeah. our stuff from tonight, Michael? All right,
0: our um, good treats that we've got here are from the uh, wonderful Sam Blair out of Pittsburgh. Um, he sent us a nice little note, kind of explaining everything. So I'm going to read parts of it real quick. Um, he said that um, you know Pittsburgh is famous for their. Uh, their are sandwiches, you know, the sub with the uh, uh, coleslaw. Mandy Brothers, there's yeah.
1: actually two of those in Indianapolis now.
0: Yeah, nice. Really? Yep. Yeah,
1: I didn't know that. He said to you eat. drive by one all the time. Way to Fort, Fort Wayne. Yeah,
0: oh, okay. said he would send it to us, but he didn't think it would get here. Fresh. No, but there's yeah.
1: like, yeah, there's two of
0: them. And then he thought about giving us Heinz ketchup in a glass bottle, but that's not really exciting. He said, <laughs> "I can grab that here, thanks." He said they are really into pretzels. So, um, pretzels were brought by U.S. immigrants who eventually became uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch, aka the Amish. The hard sour Can you wait one second before you get? They're literally licking the tips of the pretzels. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Okay. So the uh, So the hard sourdough pretzels they're most known for will destroy your mouth worse than Captain Crunch. Um, so he included some local ones, um, which these are the Pittsburgh pretzel brand, um, pretzels brand. Uh, these are the rods. So, man, I should have said you guys were licking the end of the rods earlier. Damn it. <laughs> He really dropped the ball on that <laughs> can, one, buddy. We'll, end <laughs> and, it, we'll edit it in post. Shoot, what a waste. What a waste. <laughs> uh, he said, of course, what goes better with pretzels um, than mustard? You need to dip them in. So he's included some maple mustard from Freedom Farms, which is featured in their reality series, Farm Kings, uh, right up the road from where he lives. So. Nice. And I have his address now, so let's go. Can we up. do this? Yeah, we're going to go there. All right, cool.
1: Let's do it. All right. Don't chew in the microphone.
0: Why not? Because it's gross. Just out right. That's pretend. Mm. That's really good. The mustard's delicious. Mm.
1: That mustard's really good with those pretzels. Yeah, I mean, as far Pret- as the pretzel, that's a standard issue pretzel rod, which mm-hmm. are fine. Yeah. I enjoy pretzel rods. Uh, i would eat that mustard off of shoe leather yeah that is incredibly okay. good
0: so let's rate the uh we gotta figure out our rating system rothless burgers five rothless burgers five, five rothless burgers yep all right so i'm gonna do the pretzel first just without the mustard okay then...
1: i mean yeah i mean i'll give the pretzel like a two it's it's, yeah, a, it's pretzel. a standard pretzel. they're fine
0: <laughs> yeah a two yeah i mean it's just it's a pretzel, so a pretzel.
1: i mean it's mm.
0: it's fine it's from it's,
1: pittsburgh He's going to do something more. Whatever we do, he's it's going to do fancy. the opposite. So just, just say four and be done with it. I'm not
0: going to say four. It's I give it a uh, I'll give it a three.
1: The mustard, however, that's a solid
0: four roastless for me. That's
1: yeah pretty good mustard.
0: What kind of roastless burger are we talking about? Like the pre sexual assault roastless Roethl- burger? Really? The <laughs> he post. had to
1: say it, didn't he? Really? He had no. to say it. Well, we're gonna. I mean, stop <laughs> chewing in the microphone.
0: It's it's Roethlisberger, so.
1: Anyway, I'll give the I'll give the mustard. <laughs> uh, Have we fallen into a should like. Maybe we should like, do we should all, <laughs>
0: terrible towels.
1: You are a terrible towel. Uh, let's, no, just terrible. Let's just stop with Terry. He's just terrible. Um, yeah, I'll give the mustard four. Yeah, that's good. Four that's, Roethlisberger. That's, really, that's ridiculous. I
0: give it. Mm, yeah, I'd give it a uh, four.
1: That's a pretty solid four. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now we need to try these. Uh, what all are right. these lovely things? So.
0: And he also gave us dessert too. It's uh, from Pittsburgh favorite chocolate makers, Sarah's Candies. They're most famous for their chocolate covered pretzels, but since we're pretzeled out, next best thing is the. Um, it's called the peanut butter meltaway pie. It basically looks like a Reese's mm-hmm. cup, kind of like is it? shaped as a pie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it. Mm. Oh wow. It's very good. Yeah, that's really good. It does melt in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'll be back. I'll take
1: another bite. Wow, that's a five. Yep. Oh my god, <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's a hard good. five. That yeah, that's crazy good.
0: Oh man, it's like the texture is on point. Yeah, it is. Oh
1: my, it's god, really, it's really smooth and silky. And, <laughs> yeah, it's
0: really good. Woo, that's a that's a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Sam Blair. Yeah. He also gave us some facts about uh, his town, which I thought were really interesting. Main exports is the Steelers and the Penguins, obviously. Um, they have more bridges than any city in the world. Is that true? That's what... Really? That
1: can't be true. More than like Amsterdam,
0: Venice. That's what he said. I guess it depends on how you define it. Are you bridge. calling Sam Blair a liar? No. I don't think so. misinformed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you Google? Did you Google that? Same? I didn't. I didn't fact check. Um, he said Uber is piloting a driverless car program. No thanks.
1: Yeah, um, It'd be a cold day in hell before I get in a car with no driver. <laughs> I'm serious. Like it's not happening.
0: I think I'd try it.
1: I'm sure you would. Whatever I said, you would say the opposite. So just no. Move
0: on. Do you want? Would you try it, Brad?
1: Sorry, I'm having a love affair with this mustard over here. So <laughs> would you
0: try the the driverless Uber? Um.
1: Uh, not for any long distance, if I was going yeah, like a really couple
0: like, blocks. Hell's <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, things that originated in Pittsburgh the Ferris wheel, commercial radio, public television, the polio vaccine, mass transit, the Big Mac. Speaking of Big Macs, did you guys hear that only one in five millennials has ever tried a, a Big Mac? It's
1: a shame it's no wonder it's such a shitty generation of people.
0: I found out I'm a millennial <laughs> just recently. Well, I yeah. I'm technically technically <laughs> a millennial. The defense um, rests your honor. <laughs> yeah, thank Ironically, you I have never tried a Big Mac. So never had it. Have you? No,
1: I don't like. You've never had a Big Mac? No, I've had like a Whopper, so that's basically Wait, the same yeah, thing. yeah, no, it's
0: not the same thing. What? I've I don't, had a Whopper, like not a
1: Big burgers, Mac. So that's basically a cheeseburger with a bunch of crap on it. Oh my god. It's three pieces of bread I too can't much. believe I'm the only person in this room that's had a Big Mac.
0: Yeah. Maybe that should be on Fat Bastards. <laughs> <Big> <laughs> I think that. Uh, it's just new food that came out 45 <laughs> years ago. Also, um, they think another thing that originated there is zombie movies. Night of the Living Dead was filmed. Just oh, north. that
1: is a freaking awesome movie. You know, I don't know yeah. that I've seen that. dude. Is it, on, it, it is <laughs> freaking terrifying. Is it on Netflix still? Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> Probably um, maybe this time of year. It was What's yet, your favorite course. zombie movie? I'm not. Here's the, I'm not really big on zombie movies because I'm not really huge on gore and stuff. But that one's in black and white, and it is terrifying. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I could not imagine watching that when it came out, like in the early '60s or whenever that was. Um, zombie Land is really good. Oh yeah, that is good. That's
0: it's pretty funny. It's yeah, funny yeah, I mean, and it's, it's just
1: a good, good zombie movie. I do enjoy yeah. that.
0: This is a very unpopular opinion. Surprise, surprise. But I like <laughs> the um, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. It's pretty good. One where they. <laughs>
1: Shaun of the Dead. No, not Shaun oh, of the Dead. Oh, that's a great zombie movie. Forgot about Shaun of the Dead.
0: In Dawn of the Dead, they uh, they name some of the zombies like after famous people. So it's a guy with a mustache, and like I'm gonna shoot Burt Reynolds, and then he shoots him. Pretty great. <laughs> I also like uh, I guess you the to be there. Dead. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, also, um, movies that were filmed there include The Dark Knight Rises. Jack Reacher, The Fault in Our Stars, in Southpaw. The Fault in Our Stars. The author lives in Indiana.
1: Yes, he does. Yeah.
0: They have the largest sound stage between New York and L.A. Um, they're, uh <laughs> What
1: did you just do? Yeah, don't do that, Brad. Wait, is, dip the
0: chocolate. Dip the chocolate
1: in the mustard. Brad yeah, just don't, don't
0: do that. Brad totally just dipped the chocolate <laughs> in yeah, the I mustard.
1: Did. That was not. I ever, was like, what are you doing? That seemed like a better idea on paper. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Also, uh, he says that Pittsburgh loves bragging about themselves because they have an inferiority complex. So that's it. <laughs> thank thank you, Sam. you, Sam. Thank you for sending things. Sam is an official turd. He supports us on Patreon and Patreon dot com slash pastors podcast. And uh, $1 gets you into the pub. The pub is getting bigger. It's
1: gotten really big in the last week or so. Yeah, we
0: keep getting people joining. It's it's good. A lot of good conversations happening we've in the pub. had a great
1: conversation about the not okay hashtag. Yeah. It was really good. So mm-hmm. in case you're wondering the kinds of things that are being discussed.
0: Not okay. We've talked about... Uh, open theism. Open theism. Worship. For all
1: you theology mm-hmm. nerds.
0: Um, we talked about worship and whether or not it's relevant. Yeah. Um, We've spoiler, had a lot spoiler of spoiler alert. It's not. It's totally relevant. <laughs> fuck you guys. Um, it, it, we have a much more respectful conversation on there. Besides the one where I tell them to fuck themselves. Um, it, it, I mean, it's good conversation. Um, we've had a lot of really good conversations. So um the people are getting together in a church. People that are kind of local-ish are getting together in a church and being part of a, a book club that's going on in that mm-hmm. church. So. Yeah.
1: We've actually had some people meet just or are yep. going we're, to meet or yeah, asking, Hey, we'll be in the areas. And yeah. Live in this area, Walker Texas like. Stranger
0: and uh, um, Daniel. I mm-hmm. forget his his Twitter handle. Religion Critic. Yeah. Yeah. They've met in real life. So it's uh, getting real. Getting real. That's very cool. All right. Um now we're gonna go into F U further up, further in. Um, this week we have Richard Jacobson. He is an author, an artist, an animator, a blogger, (laughs) a former pastor, and he is in the pub. So if you want to talk to Richard. And
1: legitimately seems like the nicest guy in the world. Super nice.
0: (laughs) Richard is the author of Unchurching Christianity Without Churchianity. Um, he also has his own podcast, um, with the same name, Unchurching. Be sure to check him out on his podcast, check out his book, um, and a huge uh, thanks to Matt Seymour for editing this episode. We had some audio issues, and um, he seemed to uh, clean it up really nicely for us. So, I think uh, I
1: think this interview will be really good for people. We have a lot of just if the pub is any indication of our sort of broader listenership. Um, seems like we have a lot of people that are trying to figure out church. Uh, yeah, what we have people that are really committed to church. We have mm-hmm. people that are kind of on the fence. People that have like, asked ah, screw it," um, people that are just genuinely trying to figure out like what to do about it, um, including us. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah. this uh, for the, anybody that falls in any of those categories, I think this is a really helpful interview. Mm-hmm. So
0: so it's been. Thirty episodes since we last had Giff and Lucas on, where we mm-hmm. talked about is the church relevant anymore? Yeah, um, how are you guys feeling about that? You know, I thought about that today. Yeah. I, even
1: after the interview with Richard, like I totally agree with like everything he said in the interview, but I still, I don't know where I land on the church, and, and yeah. not because. And I don't know how Brad's not, getting more pretzels. <laughs> Can't get enough of this mustard. <laughs> Brad's yeah. not eating my mustard. Um, There's a whole jar there, buddy. I don't know if it's if my my confusion is due to just lingering my lingering evangelicalism that I grew up with. And my yeah. I mean, I spent 38 years in the church. Like every yeah. week, and you don't just like brush that off. And. Yeah. um so, I don't know. I mean, again, like I said, I agree with everything Richard said and, yeah. and everything he's written. Yeah. Like, it's yep. not, it wasn't an issue of, well, I don't know if I agree with that. It was, I agree with what he said. I just, I still, I'm still not sure I want anything to do with any of it. I, yeah. I don't know. Part of me wants to be part of yeah. something, but part of me is not sure. I like, I feel why. like yeah. what we've got in the pub I think is like so beneficial to me personally that that's my community right now. Yeah. I know it's online, I know it's different. We've had this discussion before, but it, there is something there. Yeah. It is the pub is something legitimately communal. Yeah. Um and but at the same time, and I have, you know, I have you guys every week, every Wednesday, we get together this essentially church for us. This is our accountability
0: group. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. Nice. Um you know, and so but at the same time like there is sort of a a little bit of a hole that I feel is there because I've not been to church for over a year. Yeah.
0: Like so I don't know. I don't know where I land on it. I um. So I would have said I would. I'm gonna answer my question. I asked it to you guys, but I'm gonna answer it too. Um. I would have said 30 episodes ago. I was didn't care, <laughs> didn't care. Uh, I will say the last like month or so, maybe probably after reading uh, Richard's book and then immediately reading Science Mike's book afterwards. Um, I, I, and Science Mike is is for the church. Richard is is not. Um, big on the corporate church or right. the the organization of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm reminded of the quote, uh, um, the church is a whore, but she's my mother. Um, there's something I can't get away from, and I feel that urge to be a part of, whether it be the Eucharist, whether it be um, that worship, whether it be just, just that, that being in front of each other. Do I think it's necessary? But- no, I don't. But I think... It's beneficial.
1: I will say that's well said. I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Kind of I will say that. after talking to Richard, like if I was going to get back in any sort of church, it would be something much closer to like what he talks about and what he's a part of. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wow. I don't know. I I've, I'm still kind of you know, in our interview with Science Mike when he talked about, um, when he talks about it or he talked about world Jam. Jam, yeah. And how, you know, he got he basically got burned out on Pearl Jam because he listened to it so much. And so he just stopped listening to Pearl Jam. And then after a few years, he came back to it. And he was like, I really wanted to listen to Pearl Jam. It was like that for him with the church. I'm not there yet. I still don't really yeah. want to listen to Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah I'm kind um, of there, too. Like, at all. But I'm kind of at the point where, like, every once in a while, I'm like,
0: I could probably listen to a little Pearl Jam right now. Yeah.
2: You know
1: what I'm saying? like. But I'm not there. Like, I haven't quite pulled that trigger yet. Yeah, so. that's
0: kind of where I'm at, too. Like, I just, I, I'm getting closer to where I'm ready to start, like, feeling things out. But at the same time, like, when it comes to Sunday morning, I do really want to do it. Right. I you know? know. I mean, I'm but really, then, in- but then
1: the question is, you know, what, what involvement, how much involvement do I want to have is my question. Again, I mean, we, yeah. our, our, our schedules being what they are, we're probably going to be working every other weekend anyway. Yeah, so for sure. We're only going to be committed two weekends a month if we even did anything. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like, as much as I want to be involved, I'm not sure what commitment level I would have to that
0: yeah. thing. Yeah. I think I don't know. I'm at a point where, I, like, I'm not super worried about the commitment level. It's more of just the. Yeah. It's, it's just seeing my mom again. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. With that, we're gonna go into our interview with Richard Jacobson. Um, here we go. Hey, Richard. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Hey there. Thanks (laughs) for having me. Um, Just for clarity's sake, my name's Michael.
1: And I'm Brad. And I'm Matt.
0: All right. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, We uh, read your book recently, so we have uh, quite a few questions for you. Tell us a little bit about um, your book to get started.
2: Yeah, the book is called Unchurching Christianity Without Churchianity. And if I had to distill it down to a single soundbite – what the book is claiming is that not only is it possible to have genuine church community without church buildings, senior pastors, paid staff titles, positions, organizational hierarchy and programs, etc., but that it is actually more biblical and more beneficial to do so. So it's really a simple claim, but it's it's kind of a controversial claim.
0: Yeah, for sure, especially given the current state of the, the at least the American church So when you say
1: controversial, what's been the feedback from those that are already in churches?
2: I think when you initially encounter the book, especially because of the way that I've titled it and some of the messaging around it, it comes across like it's an anti-church book. Like it is recommending, hey, you don't need church. Some of that is just positioning because honestly, the people that I'm aiming for are the people who are discontent with church as is. And I think they would be more likely to pick up a book that is a little bit provocative. But then when you dig beneath the surface, you realize that what it's talking about is having a different form of church community, an outside-the-box type of church community. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean,
0: uh, speaking of having controversial titles, I mean, we're (laughs) we're the (laughs) Inglorious Bastards. So
2: we we kind of get that a a little bit – Yeah, this is a safe place for me here, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you're good. You're in a totally safe place. No worries.
0: Um, So when I read your your book, um, you touch on your upbringing a little bit, and I thought that was really fascinating because it's not really – I mean we kind of grew up in the the corporate church, but it sounds like you grew up in a different kind of church environment. Could you talk to uh, our audience a little bit about your experience
2: Yeah, I had a little bit of a Christian hippie upbringing, I guess you could say, Uh, and I'm going to show my age here a little bit. I was a child in the Jesus movement, so early 70s, and uh, the Jesus movement went through maybe until about the the 80s, And, and for anyone who doesn't know, the Jesus movement was the Christian offshoot of 70s hippie culture or the hippie offshoot of 70s Christian culture, but what it was... Uh, were a bunch of Jesus freaks. They were young people who didn't really fit with the church as usual uh, kind of thing, but they had fallen in love with Jesus. And so you had all these young, passionate, um, hippie Jesus freaks uh, getting together in living rooms and coffee shops and restaurants and bookstores, showing up with Bibles and tambourines and guitars and just Singing and doing life together is is the phrase that I hear now, but um, I think it's an apt description.
0: Thanks, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> he had no idea what he was creating yes. when he titled that book that way. You left your full time position as a pastor in search of a community that resembled that of the church in the New Testament, and you said in the book that the search was very long, it was very painful, and then. A number of friends thought you were falling away from your faith instead of actively pursuing it. We have a number of listeners who are sort of in a a deconstruction, reconstruction phase at various points along that spectrum. What kind of words of wisdom or comfort would you say to those who are on that search right now, a search that was similar to what you
0: experienced?
2: Those are exactly the people that I want to talk to and the reason that I wrote the book. Um, One of the main reasons— I'll backtrack just a second. The book actually didn't start off as a book. It was my own personal study notes from when I was a pastor and I started struggling with church as usual. And so this was it started out as just my own personal journey of trying to figure this out. And the reason that I eventually wanted to turn that into a book and share it with the world is I realized a lot of people are having a similar struggle. So, the first thing that I'm hoping that they that happens when they read this book is they feel validated, that they realize they're not alone. Millions of people are leaving the church, and a lot of times you hear that portrayed as this – great falling away. I've even read blog posts that title it that. They say, oh, "Oh, this is this is the great falling away. This is, you know, what we what we read about in the scripture. You know, people are becoming unfaithful and they're losing their faith." And that's unfair to paint with such a broad stroke. Everybody who's leaving the church because you yes, you do have people who are walking away from their faith, but right now you have millions of Christians who still consider themselves Christians. Who are walking away from the organized church because they want to preserve their faith. They're finding it more of a struggle to adhere to their faith going to the organized church because there's such a disconnect between what they read in the scripture and what they're experiencing on Sunday mornings.
1: I think all three of us fall into that category. Absolutely. I think a vast majority of our listeners do as well. Um, and interesting, you know, we, when we, the three of us attempted to start a, an actual church here in town, uh, what a couple of years ago, I guess mm-hmm. I kind of lost track of the time frame. we've been it's been closed down for about a year and a half now, but we we wrestled with the uh, the very things that you wrestle with in the book, we wrestled with how do you start something worthwhile and uh, I don't know, useful is not the right word, but you know something that can really speak to people's needs and the the desire for something more and yet maintain sort of a frameless structure to it. and we we never did def- definitively answer that question. And end up with just a church that sort of end up looking like everybody else with a more progressive theology.
0: One of the questions we always would say to ourselves is, if if the church closed down today, in, in a year, in five years, would anybody care? Mm. I, I think that's a large question that most churches need to ask themselves. What, what are you doing for your community? Not just the people who come to your church, but the people the commu- people that are in your the city that you're in, or the county, or the the state that you're in. What are you doing?
1: How do you you create something authentic without turning it into just everything else?
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest. Like, um, for the past, it's going on three years that I've been part of a non-institutional church community, and people have different names for those types of communities. Some people say uh, Simple Church, House Church, Organic Church, and I don't really care about the labels, and this is just... Completely my personal opinion, this is not um, a thus saith the Lord, this is not a, <laughs> you know, a, a, a prophetic vision or anything, but but I suspect that even people who are wholeheartedly embracing this idea of getting back to the simple type of church that we see in Scripture, where you have a genuine community of believers that function like an extended spiritual family, where they are mutually deferring to one another, where Christ is truly head of the church, and he is leading the church, not just as a figurehead, not just his name above the door, but he is actively leading that church. Even the people who have bought into that, I think the transition, because we carry so much institutional church baggage, I think the transition is going to be generational. Uh, I kind of look at it like the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You know, that first generation, they were the ones who cried out to the Lord and asked to be free. So, there was something in their hearts that said, we don't want to be slaves anymore. But when it came time to actually make that trek through the desert, they started looking back over their shoulder and going, man, this sucks. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) like, like we thought freedom was going to be great, but the reality is there's a lot we miss about when we knew where we were sleeping and we had, you know, three meals a day, et cetera. You know, I think there's parallels there. I I think we bring a lot of our institutional church baggage with us. And what I'm excited about and what will be interesting, and I hope I live long enough to see it, is the generation that grows up outside the box. I think young people, and I put a lot of stock, I put a lot of hope in this next generation. I know a lot of people don't, and I think that's a shame. I'm especially excited to see what they do and how they work out their faith without the constraints of – buildings and programs and positions, et cetera.
1: I guess uh, sort of along those lines, uh, you know, in the book, you mentioned the early church ignored most of the racial, political, economic, and gender prejudices uh, of their day. Uh, what kind of shift would have to happen in the modern church for that to happen now?
2: Uh, maybe the way to answer that is just is to just kind of back out of the institutional versus non-institutional discussion altogether, because the reality is there's only one church. You know, the reality is sure, there's right. only one body. And yes, there are areas of the body where where there's true progress happening, and there's areas of the body where it almost seems like we're going backwards. Um, but, but if we could ever back out and see God's perspective of things, um, you know, he sees, he sees the body holistically and he's the only one who really does have that perspective because he's the only one that can see the church around the world. And he's the only one who can see the church past, present and future. And I say all that to say this, my Bible tells me that he is perfecting his bride. You know, my, my Bible tells us that we are being transformed from glory to glory to glory and that he's not going to stop until he gets the bride that he wants so logically um, anything that doesn't line up with his vision of the church at some point all of these things that are that are uh, all this baggage that we carry is going to have to fall off
1: well, and i think going back to what you stated a few minutes ago about the next generation i think that's where that's going to take place you know i look at my son you know i'm trying to wrestle with how to approach church and you know christianity and things like that with him in sort of a non-church setting we haven't been in church for over a year now and we're trying to figure out how to how to teach (laughs) teach christianity without the church but i I think it's going to be his generation as i try to raise him to see things differently than the way i was raised to see them Um, and that's not a criticism of my parents that's just i mean it's just the way it was back then and and i think i think that i think this you know with the you know, racial and, 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 and gender prejudices and economic prejudice, all that stuff, I think that's going to really start to fall away with the next generation. Um, I think it's starting with our generation, and with, but I think it's really going to take off in the next generation as they start to explore different ways of seeing the world and seeing other people.
2: We will never see our own prejudices as clearly as our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren will. Yeah. It's like when we look back over our shoulder, and we realized there was a time when there were many, many Christians who felt no conflict in going to church on Sunday and then you know going back to the uh, to their plantation and making their slaves go out and, and pick crops. They saw no conflict in the idea of owning another person and treating another person as property and being a Christian and now, you know, we look back on that era, and it's it's irreconcilable right. to us yeah. um, to think that you that you could embrace the gospel and embrace the idea of slavery. And so it will be interesting to see how history judges some of the things that, that we're mired in right now, where we really, really think we're right, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe aren't. Yeah.
0: Um, your book focuses a lot on scripture, uh, seemingly directed at those who have uh, – a Christian background. What would you say to those who don't have that background um, about entering into the church?
2: Well, there's a part of me that's a little bit jealous, actually, if somebody is looking to enter church community and they're starting with a clean slate. Matter of fact, I recently had a um, Skype call with Felicity Dale. I don't know if you know Felicity and Tony Dale, but they Uh, plant a lot of house churches and felicity's an author and so she graciously endorsed my book so we ended up you know having a skype call and just kind of you know getting to know each other and one of the things that she talked about was in a lot of the church communities that she and her husband plant god really shows up in a powerful way in a really supernatural way you know there's lots of miraculous things that happen and i was asking her about that i said you know wow that's That's refreshing to hear, because I know a lot of church communities uh, full of devout believers, and, you know, God is present in a different way, but not in this really overt, supernatural way. I said, why do you think that is? And she said, oh, well, that's easy. She said, because a lot of the churches that we plant, uh, we start with unbelievers or new believers, and they don't put limits on God. You know, they haven't had all of this training um, in sophisticated theology that, Tells you why God can't do things.
1: In your book, you go out of your way to take a stand that women were a part of leadership, the leadership framework in the early church. In the modern age, we find ourselves we find ourselves fighting for those who are marginalized for their you know their income, their race, their sexuality, etc. But there's a lot of churches that still don't even recognize women in leadership framework. I know a, a church I'm familiar with, Brad and I are both familiar with, yeah. and a lot of churches we know of who call you know they have women in ministry. But they call them children's directors instead of children's ministers. You know, they go out of the way to sort of
0: marginalize.
2: Essentially
1: marginalize, I guess is the word. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of having a more diverse sphere of influence in church leadership?
2: This is getting way off script. This is not something in the book. But I have to wonder when I look at the overarching story in scripture, you know, about God wanting to provide a bride for Jesus Christ and that bride being the church. Satan couldn't defeat Christ, so I believe he comes at him through his bride. And I look at the parallel of Adam and Eve as being kind of a microcosm of that. He went after Adam through his bride. He seduced Eve first to ultimately get to the both of them. I just think it's, it's interesting that the church, uh, who's portrayed as a woman, as Christ's bride, the way to hurt her collectively is to hurt the women individually, and that's by hindering them, silencing them, marginalizing them, limiting their ability to exercise their spiritual gifts and calling. I mean, this is supposed to be a priesthood of all believers in the body of Christ. There's supposed to be no Jew, no Gentile, you know, no slave or free, and no man or woman. And in the book, I go into a lot more detail of kind of building a case for this. So I won't, I won't recreate that here. But I think it's no small thing when we buy into this idea that women are second-class citizens in the church. I think that hinders the bride as a whole. I I 100% agree
1: with that. I heard somebody say, I don't remember who it was, that God creates the male and female in, in his image. And so when you only have males in leadership, males in elderships, males as deacons, males as teachers, whatever it may be, you essentially only have half of the image of God that was sort of a turning point for me I was never really one was like well women can't be in leadership but like it was never something I really thought about and when that that statement was made I was like whoa holy cow that's actually true and then I fell on the passage of Paul that you just mentioned of there's neither Jew or Greek slave or free male or female all are one in Christ and that to me sort of I mean that breaks down all whatever identifiers we have are broken down in Christ and so I don't know we're just we're, we're missing out on like you said we're missing out on a, a very a more full bride of Christ we're missing out on a more full church structure a more full church experience when we limit people who who are who are hundred percent made in as much in the image of God as we are as men
2: yeah and can I say say one yeah, more yeah. thing about that when I dealt with this issue of gender equality in the book I fully expected that women who read it would you know feel affirmed or at least I hope they would. But the thing that surprised me was how many emails, private Facebook messages, Twitter DMs I received from mail readers who sent me messages saying, thank you so much for the way you dealt with this issue, for giving me a scriptural argument to defend the convictions that I already had but didn't know how to articulate. And I would like to take that a step further and say that if – if any of those people are listening to this podcast, if you've read the book and, and, the, and that particular issue kind of struck a chord with you, or even if you haven't read the book and you're on the same side of this issue as we are, um, I would challenge our brothers to start becoming more vocal about this. Because I think sometimes when women are vocal about this, and, and yes, they should keep being vocal, but I think sometimes um, they can be dismissed as having mixed motives, being self-serving. I literally uh, uh, read a blog post from a, a pastor or some church leader that was saying um, uh, women who are, who are seeking positions of leadership have a spirit of Jezebel, wow. is the way that he described it. Uh, yeah, absolutely, wow. We're not talking about women who are trying to pull the church off track, trying to take people's eyes off of Christ. Literally, all they are asking for is an equal seat at the table. They want to be a fully functioning member of the priesthood of all believers. That's all they're asking for. And I think if men would affirm that and be vocal about it, it would be harder to dismiss what they're saying as being self-serving. So I just think brothers need to come alongside their sisters and say, yeah, uh, we see this uh, differently than the generations who went before us, and we're we're ready to step into this fuller revelation.
1: I think that's why we've seen such an accelerated uh, acceptance of LGBT people um, among in our culture but in the church as well is because straight people have finally gone, yeah, I think they should be equal. You know what I mean? I think you know, for years it was just you know, straight people they might have been affirming or very quiet about it. Um, and when they stopped being so quiet about it, things changed very rapidly. And I think that's a very similar thing that can happen with women in the church.
0: Even any marginalized group, whether it be sexuality, race, um, gender, um, anything. um, I, I think anyone who finds himself in a position of any kind of privilege should use that privilege to fight for those who are marginalized. Yeah. You, and and use it you know, in no You Jesus other way. probably
1: did that too. So, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I mean, that's where you. I mean, that that to me was a turning point for me. When as far as marginalized communities, whether it be you know, like you said, women or LGBT or whatever, that's who you found Jesus with all the time and standing it for all the time was communities who had been pushed to the margins. People who had been pushed to the margins. It's sad that in 2016 we're still pushing women to the margins. I feel like we should have probably <laughs> probably passed that passed that a long time ago, but apparently we have not.
2: You know, the church in its day, the early church, was radical in the fact that they had women in their gatherings, mm-hmm. the right. fact that yeah. they aff- that they affirmed women. The fact that Paul ministered alongside women um, was actually scandalous in its day. Right. I mean, it, it, like like he was cutting against cultural norms when he did that. So, it's kind of funny to think the early church was counterculture because they affirmed women. And now the organized church is becoming counterculture because we don't. You know, the <laughs> culture right. the the culture around us is starting to become more enlightened, at least on this issue, than the church. Yes. And that's, pre- that's pretty damning to us.
1: I know we've got people, we have a lot of listeners that are uh, in various stages of trying to figure out what they want to do with the church. Do they want to leave it? Do they want to try to change it? Do they want to do... Kind of strike out on their own, do their own thing, whatever it might be. We have listeners all over the spectrum just from messages we've received and conversations we've had. Is there a time to try to change it from the inside on the institutional church, or should they strike out on their own?
2: Now, this is just my opinion, but I think trying to change the church from the inside is like trying to reconfigure an airplane while you're flying it. Um, I, I personally don't, don't think that it works. Now, I just recently had a guest on my own uh, podcast. I have an unchurching podcast. And I specifically had him on the show because he does work in an institutional context. And he's trying to carve out like genuine – ecclesia spiritual community within that framework now he would disagree with me and that's actually why i wanted my listeners to hear from him is because he has a different opinion but if you ask me where i default to i say no i don't think genuine spiritual community coexists very well with the form of a legal corporation and that's what today's churches are legally speaking They are corporations. They're 501c3 nonprofits, you know, much like a charity. And I'm not saying corporations are evil. I think there's a lot of wonderful charities. But turning a community into a corporation—that is something that we should spend a lot more time thinking about before we pull the trigger on that, Um, because it fundamentally changes the way that we relate to each other. Because with a corporation comes issues of limited liability, and you know, you have to have a a chairman, and you have to have a board, and you have to have policy. Policy and procedure. You have to have a constitution and bylaws. You basically have to follow all of these formulas and all of these systems that were created by the world, and they have nothing to do with the kingdom.
1: We 100% agree. Yeah, we ran into that when we started our church. Uh, We got about a year in and we looked at each other in a meeting one time and went, oh my God, we're exactly like everybody else. It was unintentional and it snuck up on us. Um, That was kind of one of the ways that we kind of thought maybe this thing needs to end Um, because we did kind of just fall into the same pattern. Yep. against our I'm not, I don't know if against our will Or just without even us realizing
0: it was happening it was, it was all that we knew too I mean that was a huge part of it Is that's just what we grew up in Is what we knew It's like when you do church You do you know Three songs of worship Four songs of worship mm-hmm. You do announcements Do a meet and greet You do another song You do a sermon And then you pass the Jesus juice And the cracker And, <laughs> and do another song and go home
1: Yeah and I think even in the midst of that, we tried to change the structure from within, while at the same time cre- <laughs> creating the structure we were trying to subvert. So we I, we just ran into a whole barrel full of monkeys, essentially, and just could not find our way out of it. I'm in I'm in the place now where I tend to agree that I'm not sure you can I'm not sure you can change the structure from within. I think there are churches that that's happened. I know I've heard of churches where that's happened where they've changed the direction of the church. However. I don't know that that I think that's more the exception than the rule.
2: At the very least, I think a group of previously institutionalized Christians don't have the muscle memory to know how to function that way. And I right. would compare it to if you raised lions in captivity, if you raise them in a zoo, if you raise them in an artificial habitat, a lot of their natural instincts become so dull that that if you re-release them into the wild, they are not going to flourish as well. You actually have to go through a process to reintroduce wild animals to the wild if they have not been raised in the wild. And you would think, oh, well, at some point, their instincts are gonna kick in and it's gonna take over. Well, it doesn't happen as quickly as you think. And so, taking a bunch of Christians out of the organized church, yes, you've taken them out of this artificial habitat, you might put them in a natural habitat, but it is foreign and that's kind of tragic because it really is their natural habitat that they're that you're moving them into but it feels foreign because it's completely unfamiliar and so there is a transition that people have to go through um individually that looks like um in at least in the book i describe it as detox um and the the Reason I I even talk about it that way is actually just hearing people's stories. You know, when I entered into a genuine church community and started just swapping stories with people, I realized, hey, I'm not the only one that had to go on this long journey to find this. And after you heard that story so many times, you start to realize, oh, This is actually an ordained thing. God actually leads people through this desert journey most of the time Mm -hmm. so that they can drop their institutional church baggage and at least come into genuine church community with a clean slate. And then comes the hard work of learning how to function interdependently, and that is a whole other can of worms.
0: Um, There's a metaphor you used in your book uh, where you said that the modern church raises veal. Could you uh, walk us through that uh,
2: for our listeners? I was basically wrestling with the fact that a lot of people who leave the organized church, even though I think that that's a good thing, um, really, really struggle. And I wondered why that was. And I started really praying about it. I'm like, Lord, is this some sort of deficiency in their spiritual lives? You know, like, what is this about? And I realized that the fault does not lie with the people who are leaving, the fault lies with what they're coming from. And I compared it to what we do when we raise veal. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with the process, what we do is uh, if you're going to raise veal, you take a young calf and you put it in a box and that box is very restrictive. The idea is to make the box small enough that the calf can't move around. Uh, You don't want the calf to develop muscle. You don't want the calf to become strong. Uh, if the calf is immobile, then it will never um, develop muscle and become tough. It will it will eventually become tender, tasty veal because it's weak. And as the calf grows, uh, what you want to do is actually overfeed it but never let it exercise. And to me, that really is a good analogy for the organized church model because the thing that we emphasize in the organized church model, if you think about the way it's set up, it is set up to make sure that information, spiritual education, um, is disseminated to everybody. And if and a lot of people talk about that, like getting spiritually fed. You know, uh, you know, we go on Sunday morning to hear a pastor preach to get spiritually fed. The emphasis is is on getting spiritually fed. There is no concern whatsoever for making sure every single member gets to exercise their calling as a fellow priest. So it's all about eating and not about exercise, which is exactly what you do when you raise veal.
1: Such a good analogy. (laughs) So now I have like a hankering to like, show up outside of a church on Sunday morning and start mooing at people as they come out the building.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I know people who go to a a corporate church. They feel um, fulfilled They feel like they're making the community better, not just the the small group of people that are in that church, but also the community in which the church resides. They feel fed. They feel challenged. They feel better because of that experience. What would you say to those people who aren't necessarily like us, who, who feel connected to that church environment?
2: Yeah, I can't say definitively. Um, but if you ask my opinion, odds are they are exactly where they are supposed to be. And that will sound like a contradiction to uh, a lot of people I know, and that's okay. You know, one of the things that I talk about in the book, I make a case for why I think the organized church model is not biblical. I make a case for why I think it is man-made and in many times is opposed to the type of genuine church community that we're supposed to have, but I liken it to the kingship in Israel. If you remember back in, I think it's like Samuel 8, uh, where Israel asks for a king, God warns them and says, you don't want a kingship, um, it's a bad idea, and when you install a king, it's going to cost you greatly. The king is going to take the best of your livestock, and he's going to tax you, and he's going to take the best of your people to serve himself. You don't want it. And their response is, oh, that sounds awesome. We want that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is analogous to the organized church model. I think it consumes all a lot of our resources, it consumes a lot of our energy, a lot of our time, a lot of our talent. If you really look at the way the organized church functions, it's very inward-facing. You know, a lot of it goes to propping up the system itself. And here's what's interesting, though, if you, you know, again, connecting the dots back to that story of Israel's kingship, God said that it was a rejection. He literally said, by wanting to install a king, you are rejecting me as your king. So, there was nothing about it that he was okay with, yet he let him do it. Then he turned around and he selected David. He chose him to be king and he blessed him. He not only blessed David, but he blessed his kingship. He said, your throne will endure forever. I think that there are people that God has called, that he has selected, that he has blessed, and that he has installed in the organized church. But we must not think that that is his endorsement of the organized church model. Just like he installed David as king over Israel, you know, he installed uh, Daniel in Babylon, he installed Joseph over Egypt. God cares more about people than he does programs, which, of course, you know, brings up the question, well, then why does it matter? I mean, if ultimately, if God's going to bless it, then what does it matter? And the whole issue is, well, what does it cost us? You know, just when God said, hey, the reason you don't want this is it's going to cost you, I think the thing that it's costing us besides energy and time and resources, et cetera, I think it's the thing that's making the church so inefficient and the reason why at least the church in the West is not nearly as impactful as it could be. I think it's it's consuming Uh, a lot of our best efforts and talent and resources to just keep that thing propped up and keep us busy and not really impact the culture around us. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We we really, really appreciate it. Where can people get your book?
2: The book is available right now on Amazon. If you just search Unchurching, um, I'm sure it's the only (laughs) book with that title that'll come up, but the full title is Unchurching. Uh, Christianity Without Churchianity. If you want to, you can connect with me on unchurching.com. There you can find out more information about me, the book. You can see some of my animated videos, because I actually started off as a blogger doing these, I think, pretty cool animated videos and cartoons. (laughs) That's actually uh,
0: how I first heard about you, It's through your animation.
2: Yeah, they're pretty cool, huh?
0: (laughs) Yes, very, very cool. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'd love it if people would check that out. And, of course, you can also um, connect with me through the Unchurching podcast, which is still fairly new, but it it seems to be taking off pretty well.
0: What about um, Twitter? Are you on Twitter?
2: Yeah, uh, Twitter. It's just at Unchurching. Um, if you want to find me on Facebook, you can just search Unchurching. I tried to make it as simple as possible, and I <laughs> basically snagged the name Unchurching on every social media platform I could find. And funny enough, nobody else was vying for them, so I got them all. Awesome.
0: <laughs> Again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really enjoyed uh, connecting with you, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon.
2: I would love that, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Thank, right, you, thank you, Richard.
0: Thank you. All right. Let's go into feedback. Uh, Matt, you got a five-star review? I got two of them. Sweet. One of them
1: was supposed to be from la- for last week, and it uh, mysteriously disappeared before the podcast and then just reappeared afterwards. It was so. like the
0: Messiah. What? It disappeared for three days and came back. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: yeah, that's that's how that went.
0: Thanks for your Messiah comment. Um, God.
1: I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with like any of this anymore. I, I don't know. either.
0: All right, go ahead. Let's, uh, let's go.
1: First one is from uh, by Jax Garn, J-A-X-G-A-R-N. Will you be my BFFs? Yes, <laughs> the answer is yes. Uh, Absolutely. For $1, you can be in the pub, and we'll be your BFFs in there. Um, Amen. You guys are the epitome of spiritual gangsters. Put that on a t-shirt, please. Yeah, buddy. And I love your podcast. The three of you equal one part book club, one part beer, parentheses, Scotch bourbon club, yep. one part music club, and one part comedy club, all intertwined with influences of spirituality and growth that is needed for all of us, if our minds and hearts are open to hear. balls, you are. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that.
1: That's we appreciate awesome. That. Yeah, that's it's good. Very awesome.
0: Amazeballs.
1: I still find it weird that people think we're, like, funny. I don't. Like we're not communicating. You're not. You're not
0: that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about getting a, uh, a soundboard so I could like play like helicopter noises and no bazooka. You, you absolutely like bazooka. I don't know. Whatever.
1: <laughs> you absolutely do not need anything <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> uh, I I actually looked in the app store today to see if I could find an app that would help me create a a nice <laughs> soundboard. <laughs> It is, it's going to be giving his own rim
1: shots. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's He's just, just going to say something and just be like... <coughs> yeah,
0: it's not going to be real sound or effects. It's just going to be me
1: doing sound effects. <laughs> we're going to be in the middle of like... We're going to be talking about like... So when Ecclesiastes talks about wisdom, we'll be like... <whistles> <nieuwe> <whistles>
0: yeah,
1: it's going to be fart noises and like goat noises.
0: Uh, like, uh, it'd be so great.
1: Anyway, the right. next one is called uh, Format Keeps, Co- Keeps Bringing Me Back by Eric Riddle.
0: Oh, I thought you were saying you, like as in Matt keeps bringing you back. I gotcha. Format. The format. Yeah. It's a good band. Just check them out. <laughs> Dog problems is the shit. Are you done? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just said. Anyway, uh, Eric says these fellows. Can pivot from coarse humor, I don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) uh, to tender candor within minutes. Ooh, candor. Even in the most absurd moments, I know the conversation will turn into a nuanced, thought-provoking, and challenging discussion of Christianity. The show always ends on a fun note, encouraging you to continue the conversation on their social media channels. I may have to join these men in the pub soon. Cheers. Yes. Please do that.
0: I guess we were in the same room as him, too, uh, last week. Um, he was he was at uh, Rob Bell. Really, so we went and saw the uh, the Reverend Rob huh. Bell last week. We're gonna get into that in just a moment. Well, we can just get into it right now. Uh, it um, was ridiculously good. Thanks, Eric, for the comment. Yes, we really appreciate yeah, it. That was great. Um, Both those
1: were good comments. Thank you for that.
0: And we can now let the cat out of the bag. We uh, did indeed. Uh, meet with Rob Bell and had. We, we've known about this for months and we're too afraid that it wasn't going to happen <laughs> to even tell you guys about it. Yeah. So um, we waited till after it happens, took and a picture, it totally and, sent it happened, to
1: you guys. and it was totally awesome. Yeah. He, yeah. Just, and he is a
0: totally legit
1: human being, mm-hmm, in case yep. anybody was wondering.
0: So Rob Bell um, will be on the podcast next week. So stay, don't unsubscribe just yet. <laughs> Wait till next week. Actually don't unsubscribe at all. Um okay, so uh Peter Thurley on Twitter at PF um wrote Mother Effers, AIG, <laughs> which is answers in Genesis, Edmonton's bitches, and hashtag McButt Smuggling <laughs> and Ecclesiastes, hashtag WTF. <laughs> what a breath of fresh air, hashtag intervarsity purge. <laughs> Hmm. After the InterVarsity purge, so um, Brian O'Dean said, "Listen to the Pastors' podcast to laugh and did." I didn't realize that I'd end up hearing the gospel preached right at me. hashtag Thank you. Yeah. So thanks, Brian. Yeah, man. Uh, Mindy Michelle at Mindy M Project wrote at Pastors' podcast. Really enjoyed listening to your podcast today. Thanks for eating those ghost pest pepper chips for our entertainment. So should we do the death chips? No, no, I'm not doing it. Come nope. on, no. nope, nope. No, I'm not. Maybe doing for that. Our, maybe for our uh, our live episode, our next live episode.
1: Yeah, I I might. We'll have it. Brad do
0: it. Just Brad. I don't think you understand how hot those fucking things are. Like I've seen people do them. Like if we do it during the live episode, um, we can't all do it together because right, we have right. to continue doing the right, episode as right. Brad goes and cries. It's in the like corner. going vomit in the. Yeah, I
1: mean, like I don't think you want to do that. I really yeah. don't. I'm not. I generally eat hot stuff. I'm not doing that.
0: Yeah, I can't. I'm I just can't. not. You were not really affected by the last ones, though.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe you should be the one to do it. Yeah, they Let's, were
0: take, hot. Let, let's take a vote. Who vote Matt does it? Yeah, that's all favor. Yeah, well, it's fine.
1: I'm not putting them in my mouth. <laughs> you can vote all you want. That's it's what she not said. happening. <laughs>
0: Good God. God. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's Brad banging his head on the microphone. Okay. Uh, um. Anyway, uh, what? Well, let's talk about your son. He ate like the whole rest of the freaking bag. He ate
1: the whole bag, and he wants more. Okay, maybe he should do the death chip. Challenge. I'm not <sighs> doing that to a 13 year old. No, we're not doing. Come that on, to him. let's get you know. Lenny to do it. No, no Lenny,
0: Lenny would totally do he it. He would totally do it. He
1: probably would, but we're not doing that. Now. Mm.
0: No. All right, um, Jared Hiroshima. I, I always mess that up. Here's here's Ema. Um, he just saw the picture of Rob Bell and he wrote Lucky Pastards so (laughs) I like that I would heard that one Uh, Undercover Agnostic, friend of the podcast he is a supporter but he's not in the pub yet come on get in the pub bro Um, he's three episodes behind on Pastards podcast but he vows to catch up this weekend hashtag whatever this week's hashtag is (laughs) later he did hashtag pulling the goalie which was uh, (laughs) Nick and Andreas I believe yeah Nathan Miller West wrote hashtag buck make butt smuggling sigh hashtag I guess I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> um, Sandra and Turnball at Goddess Kindled wrote OMG Ghost Peppers chips for the win. Yeah, they were hot. Yeah, they were. Billy Patterson, at Diet Bill Atheist, wrote, uh, congrats to Brad Polly for the best reading of Ecclesiastes since Ren McCormick in Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know. Is that a compliment or is that him ripping my ass? Both. Okay. Knowing
1: <laughs> Billy, it's probably Yeah, both. probably both. That was kind of what I assumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Billy, and screw you.
0: <laughs> Some people really did like the, uh, the Ecclesiastes stuff in there. It was, it was good. Um Sandra Anternball uh again wrote Cycle, Seasons, on Sinking Into Your Flow of Your Own Life. Excellent episode. Hashtag MickButt Smuggling Ooh. <laughs> Ray at Galactic Wonderlust um said, Get some netting to keep to help keep um the birds off your tomato plants. Added on to our metaphor from last about the tomatoes. So thanks, Ray. Um he also said, I love you guys, and love is patient, love is kind, and all that good shit, but, where, <laughs> but where's Rob Bell? <laughs> I told him he was in LA, probably. So yeah, Most likely. Yeah. Um, Eugene Ballman, well, there goes the McDonald's sponsorship. <laughs> uh, August Blondell said, episode 34 was really good, and it was super interesting to have um, seen how you... Uh, you and the cast have grown since episode one, followed by hashtag McButt Smuggled. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if he really meant that we've grown over the last 30 episodes or 34 episodes, or if he's saying that we haven't because we're McButt Smuggled. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I'll take it. Thanks. Uh, Sarah Kate said, um, Way to pack it in this week, guys. Hashtag MacBot <laughs> smuggling. That was that was the comment of the week, man. And I good. and I said, um, pun intended. And she wrote 80, 80 pounds worth of sincerity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was Sarah Kate for MVP on that man. That was
0: yeah, good awesome. Stuff. For, uh, Ron Swanson's <laughs> daughter, who's official turd now. Yeah, she she's joined the pub. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. So uh, closing time, Read us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, review us on iTunes, it help us with the rankings and other stuff so we can stay in the new and noteworthy. Are we still
1: in that? Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, we have not, not left really the new knew, and noteworthy. But
1: apparently we're still noteworthy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Um, check us out on our website ingloriouspastards.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. And now it's that time where we choose a hashtag for the week. I got a few. All right, let's hear them. Uh,
1: Chronic belly button sniffer. Uh, It is the the chronic. Yeah. Hashtag Michael's a baseball bat. Okay. Uh, Hashtag Black Pearl on Superior. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Uh, right. Hashtag Black Beards Out There. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Peeing on Your Face is Cool. (laughs) Consider me Miles Davis. we just do (laughs) consider me Miles Davis? Uh, Hashtag Bear Girl's Beauty Products. Uh, hashtag lemon pepper chicken head.
0: Oh, that's good. Um, I've got I got four. Okay, go ahead.
1: Uh, hashtag ceiling snake. Okay. Oh, uh, gosh. hashtag big chicken. <laughs> 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 hashtag salad worms. Okay. And
0: hashtag Michael the millennial. Oh no, <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, I don't know.
1: I think that might be a two to one vote. I've got uh,
0: hashtag meat beer. <laughs> uh. It's really the word "meat" with anything. It's just it really funny. Is funny. It uh, just works with anything. It does. Hashtag bear grills urine and hashtag petrified frog. I liked one of yours. Um, pe- the lemon pepper one. What was lemon it? Lemon pepper chicken head. Yeah, that, that's my vote. <laughs> all right, I'll go with okay, that. That's fine. All right. So if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> or, or Michael
1: the Millennial, whichever one you, want to. <laughs> if you
0: listen to this podcast all the way through, <laughs> hit us up on social media. You know, even tag Richard into into <laughs> it. Uh, he'll get a kick out of hashtag lemon pepper chicken head <laughs> um uh we are on twitter at pastors podcast at Polly named brad at Polly named matt and at mj basinger if you give a hell <laughs> i don't know um facebook.com they don't <laughs> yeah they, they, they don't um and now it's that time where we're getting to just tip of the week anything before we get into that guys nope i'm good Alright. Um, so I'm actually pretty excited about this one said this week. I practiced it at home a little bit before I got here. <laughs> of
1: course here. you did. I that doesn't surprise me at all, really.
0: <coughs> so um with that, let's uh Yeah, let's get into this. Um, this is an extended version too. You're welcome. I got the long music for it. <laughs> oh yeah. Here we go. maybe oh 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 yeah you have so many relationships in this life and only one or two will last you go through all the pain and strife and then you turn your back and they're gone so fast oh yeah and they're gone so fast yeah oh so hold on to the ones who really care in the end they'll be the ones that are that are there and when you get old and start losing your hair tell me who will still care can you tell me who will still care oh care Plant a seed, plant a flower, plant a rose. You can plant any one of those. Keep planning and find out which one grows. It's a secret, no one knows. It's a secret that no one knows. Oh no, no one knows. <laughs> Mbop. I knew. Ba it doobadop. Ba <laughs> doobop. Ba doobadop. Ba doobop. Ba doobadop. Ba do. Yeah. <laughs> Mbop ba dooba dap. ba dooba dap. ba doodop ba doobop ba dooba yeah Oh yeah oh, And an oombop they're gone Oh yeah Oh In an oombop they're gone In an oombop they're not there In an oombop they're gone In an oombop they're not there In an oombop they're gone In an oombop they're not they're not there In an oom-bop, they're gone In an oombop they're not there until you lose your hair Oh Oh But you don't care can you tell me... Oh, no, you can't t- You can't because you don't know. Can you tell me, oh, you can't, but you don't know. Can you tell me, oh, which flower's gonna grow? No, because you don't know. Can you tell me, oh, if it's gonna be a daisy or a rose? You can say you can, but you don't know. Can you tell me, oh, which flower's gonna grow? No, you can't because you don't know. Can you tell me, oh, you can... You can, you can but you don't know. Oh, yeah. You can say, but you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Can you tell me? <laughs> no. Can somebody
1: club this to..? You can't
0: because you don't know. Can you tell me? You say you can, but you don't know. Can you tell me? Oh, no, you can't because you don't know. Can you tell me? You tell me? <laughs> it's over. You say you can, but you don't know. You say you can, but you don't know. Yeah, that's it. That's great.
1: Oh, I'm really uh, glad we broke up.
0: Nah, I mean, it's not really... If Hanson's coming after us, it's 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 casual. Um, yeah, it's... it's- I feel like we need to sing something to our no, song I think you need to just stop and in it might be gone